0: everybody this is Brad uh, and over there's my friend Dave and this is the first show that we're recording in 2020 and it's 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 I gotta tell you Dave it's been I we haven't recorded uh, in the past couple of weeks and I've really missed being able to sit down and talk to you uh it, it, it's it's, it's, it's good to come back. Two. We're like two we're like two sad ten year olds and one of us got the
1: measles and it's the first yes. we're out, I don't know bikes the first time in weeks, and we're like, oh I missed you, Jimmy.
0: I missed you. Bobby. <laughs> oh. It had a real pronounced effect on my emotions through the through the week because you know Tuesday would roll around and 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 I just by the end of the day, it's like, nah this this just isn't right. <laughs> the world is not the way it's supposed to be. The axis of chipped or something. I don't know. This isn't good. Turns out friendship is nice. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew that friendship uh, was nice? I would have, ne- I, not me. I would <laughs> have never you, guessed you, I wouldn't have pegged it. I would no. not have pegged it, had you asked me. But it's, but it's worth it because I know I'm sitting across from somebody who is tanned, rested, and ready after his, oh. uh, what was it? A, 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 it was a trip to Hawaii, wasn't it? It was a trip to Hawaii. Yeah, like
1: Nixon, I'm tan. I'm rested, I'm ready to go. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, put me in coach. I'm I'm ready to face 2020. Uh, Yeah, my wife and I and our family does not tend to take long vacations. We haven't taken one in like five, six, no, six years. And so we went to Hawaii and boy, that's a that's a I I don't know if you've heard of this place, Brad.
0: Quite relaxing, yeah, quite relaxing yeah. Hawaii. Uh, well, they've got the they've got the pineapples, and they've got the hula girls, and they've got the mangoes, and they've got the hula girls, and they've got luau. <laughs> Nothing is
1: making you sound creepier than you repeating hula girls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, lecherous old man, for describing Hawaii. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell play. you
0: what I like about Hawaii. <laughs> for uh, the for no, the three what? for the three fans of Freakazoid who got that reference uh, you'll you'll back me up and <laughs> and realize that I just did a very clever Freakazoid reference uh, and it wasn't lecherous at all except for the fact that it probably was lecherous to everyone else
1: Here's uh, here's how much I'm not a Freakazoid fan. I don't even remember what Freakazoid was. Oh. Was that the guy with the crazy hair and like yeah. the striped shirt or whatever It was it, a,
0: it was a superhero parody made by when Steven Spielberg was doing all those animations like Animaniacs and stuff like that at Pinky and the oh. Brain. He also did Freakazoid, which by the way is one of my favorite uh, animated series of all time. Uh, But yeah, yeah, that's where Freakazoid was Blue skin, he had, you know, kind of lightning-shaped hair I I thought it was brilliant writing Gotcha. Okay, so that's just my own ignorance that I don't yeah. remember it. But I, I vaguely remember when Spielberg,
1: Spielberg was uh, cranking out the animation there for a while. he had, Yeah, your Animaniacs. He had another show, didn't he, uh, at the same time with Animaniacs?
0: Um, oh, there was there was a bunch
1: of there was Pinky and
0: the Brain. There was Pinky and uh, the Brain. That was it. Yeah. yeah, and great voice talent. Uh, yo, yeah, he,
1: it, 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 and good animation too. It was a really, it was the last hurrah for uh, that type of animation. So uh, it, now it's all CGI and looks little. Like I gotta say, the um, Have you ever watched the Octonauts? It's the newest show uh, no. for little ones that I'm sure is far past your kids' time, but yeah. I've always found the the. Uh, for anyone curious about it, the the style, the sort of chibi two heads high style of Octonauts is delightful, It's really adorable, and uh, just as a cartoonist, whenever I watch it, I'm like, "Oh, you guys did it great! This is great, great work! <laughs> um, you did it good." oh good work i have no idea who you guys are but you did great um anyway uh so yeah so hawaii was great it was uh can i tell you one funny story from hawaii yeah oh please so we stayed at this hotel that had a uh uh, a slide a water slide a big one and you could go down either just as a, a person like a little body missile or you could go down on an inner tube and uh so the line though was pretty long through most of the day to go down the slides yeah. And uh, so right as the, as the the hotel was closing up the slide at night, like at 730 to 8 o'clock, when all the kids were either in bed or having dinner, uh, <laughs> I throw on my bathing suit and I, I, run, I run down the stairs. I'm like, no, this is my time to shine. I'm going to get so many rides in. And, and sure enough, I get down there and there's no kids in sight. And it's just oh. me and this young, like 21-year-old Swedish lifeguard who clearly oh. just took a gig in Hawaii yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm go- going through three times, four times, five times going down the inner <sighs> tube. And finally, I'm, I'm sitting and I'm waiting for the light to turn green because it has a little LED light. And yeah. she goes... Do you do you want to go the fast way or the slow way? And I said, oh. What? And she goes, Do you want to go the fast way or the slow way? And I oh. said, Well, I want I want to go the fast way. And she goes, <laughs> This is not something I teach the kids, but there's no kids around, so I'll teach you. By the way, oh. this is the worst Swedish accent ever. No, um, I should just go,
0: Bird,
1: but so she goes, okay, hold on to the poles while you're sitting on the inner tube. And it's becoming German now.
0: I don't know what happened. Uh are <laughs> no doing the a whole one. United Nations. <laughs> this is great. I can't wait for her to turn Japanese. I know. It's really I'm, – I'm offending all the nations equally <laughs> today.
1: Uh, I'm just going to bail out and do it in English. She goes, okay, hold on to the pole and uh, let the water build up behind the uh, the, the inner tube. Let it really yeah. fill up so like it's spilling over the inner tube. And then this is where the conversation went wrong. I, I go, oh, okay. Do you think I can, I can hold on with all that water behind me? She goes, oh, yeah, you're a heavy guy. You'll have no problem. And I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I happen to be a cartoonist on the move. Come on now. We don't need
0: to, we don't need to go down that route. Oh man. Doesn't she know you do keto? Did you tell her that you do keto? Keto, keto. (laughs) Did you tell her? Ma'am, ma'am, I'll have you know I'm trying intermittent fasting. Now, hold on. Now just back,
1: back down a little bit here. Uh. And so anyway,
0: <laughs> did you long long story unconsciously short, Brad, suck in your gut immediately when she said that? Like maybe oh, she th- was <laughs> mistaken. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh,
1: but like, uh, long story short, though, my, my, my body had no problem holding back a full <laughs> tank of water as it turned out. <laughs> Uh she was right about that. <laughs> so anyway, I'm no longer going to in and out near my house. That's uh that's a new that's a new rule for me. Um but can yeah, anyway, get in, you-, you just can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, I, I hold on as long as I can. And it does get pretty hard to hold on. And oh, yeah. there's like a full bathtub of water behind me. And oh. I let go. And honest to God, Brad, it's like a bat out of hell. I was just oh. shot out of that thing. And I uh, apparently my wife said from up in the hotel room, <laughs> she could hear my stupid water slide laugh of. <laughs> Just like Goofy going down.
0: She's like, oh, I assumed you were having fun because I could hear it up from the hotel room. (laughs) Either people were doing Goofy auditions or Dave Kellett's having fun. (laughs) Or a bathtub full of water is pushing Dave down a slide. That's
1: that's the only two options. So anyway, I am tan. I'm rested. I'm ready for 2020.
0: I'm excited to do our now third year of Comic Lab with you, Brad. Can you imagine? We're into triple digits now when we're, when we're putting up uh, show numbers. We were we got triple digits. It's amazing. And I, I have to say, because we don't say it often, but
1: if you have not done it before, if you enjoy the show and you think either friends, family, or uh, readers might enjoy it, please pass it along because we are in this for the long haul. This is a show we're going to do for years on end. and. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we have appreciated your support so much. And I don't often say it, but uh, if you would, please pass a long word on social media about Comic Lab. And uh, we would appreciate it so much because we are actively loving this show. I honestly think it's one of my favorite things that I do in my life now. I look forward yeah. to it every week. And I love laughing and talking comics with you, Brad. And the feedback and the internet high fives have been delightful from our listeners. So thank you all. And I'm excited for the year ahead. Brad yes. Geiger, let's do it.
0: And incidentally, I'm just going to throw this in. If you if you do want to turn somebody on to the show, that Best of Comic Lab episode from a couple of weeks back, that's oh, the one to yeah. give them give them that, that yeah. best of comic lab I'm telling you I, I I don't want to sound like I'm full of myself I've listened to that show front to back about five times now and I, I love it <laughs> I mean I I know it's gonna come and I sit there giggling to myself like a like a like a dummy it's it really is uh it captures a lot of the joy that we uh, experienced during this uh, during the during the recording of this show it's uh it's a great one to turn a new uh listener on. To.
1: And absolutely. And uh, uh, a simple link, if you're looking for it on social media, you can just link them to comiclabpodcast.com. Do I have that right, Brad? I think yep, I have that. You right. have that exactly right. Comiclabpodcast.com. Um, and that'll get them to where they need to go. But um, anyway, on that note, I'm going to say with a huge uh, welcome
0: for 2020, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Link... And I'm his tan friend, Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. The first thing this week, I want to do a quick update. Uh, you may
1: remember a few moons ago when we were talking about the Farside's press release. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, were, they were saying, oh, they, they couched it very carefully in that oh, PR yeah. terms of like, oh, Farside is, the Farside quote is coming back. Oh, it's coming. It's going to be online. It's coming back. And Brad and, <laughs> and I. And there was uh, a like, lot of people that
0: fell for it, too.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of banging of drums and running around with p- people with hair on fire. And Brad and I, like two old men on a porch, were sitting uh, holding our <laughs> corn pipes and going,
0: I don't know if this is true. I feel like this is
1: we're being hornswoggled. And um, hornswoggled, wow, that's a word I did not anticipate using today. Um, what does that even mean, hornswoggled? Horn- There's got to be an
0: etymology behind it, uh, hornswoggled. Horn- but I, I'm, horn-s- not a, I'm not aware of it.
1: I feel like that's the application of a lot of Kentucky moonshine, and you end up with a word like <laughs> <horn-swoggled>. <laughs> Um Now I'm going to look it up, and I, this is what always happens when you look up a weird word uh, that's like, what is that? And you look it up, and it's incredibly racist term from the 1800s, oh, and you're like, yeah. good God,
0: what? Why did I use that word? <laughs> yeah, you're going to find out that, uh, that the origin of that word was like, if not racist, then it just came from a Snuffy Smith uh, comic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, the, the far side had made a lot of uh, a lot of hay for themselves and good for them uh, saying, hey, the far side 's coming back. And Brad and I kind of wisely sat back and said, this doesn't feel like uh, the kind of PR re- uh, press release you would you would put out if he was actually coming back. Yeah. Um, he's got enough money. Who wants to start cartooning in their 70s? I think these were all things we said. Um, uh, yes. And uh, I feel like this is basically a relaunch of his long-held-back comics from the web that are now going to be on the web. And Brad, what ended up happening?
0: <laughs> not, only was, not only was the site exactly what we said it was going to be, but when he was doing press to uh, advertise the site, he said a bunch of stuff that was very like eerily close to what we said in the podcast. Like one of the things that oh, you s- that, I didn't, I didn't hear about that. What did he actually oh, yeah. say? Yeah. Like one of the, one of the things you said verbatim was, I don't think at his seventies, he's looking forward to going back to a daily deadline. He said in his interview, I think with the New York Times, he says, oh no, I have no intention of going back to a daily deadline. <laughs> I mean, the wording, the wording was very, very close. So we not only uh, got the site right, but we got the sentiment right. <laughs> he had he had no intentions of coming back to a daily deadline. But the thing that's very interesting, Dave, is now I'm seeing on social media, people not only I, I, I still haven't gotten it, like they still believe they want to believe it so much that they still believe that it actually is Gary Larson coming back. And so, on my Facebook uh, feed, uh, a few days ago, I saw somebody rerunning a Far Side cartoon with a clear copyright notation of 1993. And the comment above the person that the person used to share the post, they said, "Oh, it's so great that Gary Larson is back. He's this is a perfect comic for our times." And it's like, dude, <laughs> this was done in 1993. That's a it's 27 right year comic, on the- That's a 27 <laughs> year old comic, champ. That's a 27 year old comic. But it's like they want to believe he's back so much that they they're taking anything from his uh, from his sight, and if they don't have it memorized, they assume it's a new thing, I guess. And and they're putting it out there like it's brand new. Uh, it's really interesting to watch. It's a good teachable
1: moment for all of us as cartoonists, which is to how you make hay out of news and a press release that is not there. I mean, if you go back and reread their uh, initial press release... Look at the words that they don't use. They don't say uh, new cartoons. They don't say Gary Larson is drawing again. They don't say. But all the intonation, all the subtle ways that they phrase their their wording makes you a little bit feel like that might be the case, yeah. right? They never explicitly say it, but they they kind of make you feel that way. And lo and behold, they got in New York Times. They got in Wired Magazine. They got in you know Washington Post, and yeah. they got a lot of ink for uh, a press release that was basically, "Hey, there's your website. There's your website. <laughs> Okay, you now for your <laughs> Here you
0: go. For but, all the old cartoons you've seen shared a million times, you're gonna see them one more. In, yeah,
1: instead of this, there's a new website. What you got was a guy that's like the circus performer with a top hat and yep. two women in sequins on top of a step, and the the sparklers are going off as they come down the steps, and they're going "Farside <laughs> is coming back, but at a Farside." And uh, so I take a lesson from that when you're pitching your book, even to the public, even if it's not to the press release when you're pitching your website. There are ways to phrase things Yes. that gets you where you need to go, even if uh, um, you don't have the full barrage of of that you would want behind you the news. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like Dave says, let, look at what they did. Let, let's face it. the What they wanted was to Gary Larson uh, come out of retirement and start doing new far sides. That's what of the course. marketing team wanted. Of that's, course. That's what we all want, right? Uh, but it's not going to happen. So <laughs> what they did is they wrote a pros, press release that was as close as possible to what they Actually, wanted to happen the best case scenario without <laughs> yes, exactly. without lying about it. They just kind of told embellished truths, and and what what was the outcome? They got exactly what they wanted. They got as they got close as possible uh, right. to the reality that they would have preferred. And when it, because uh, uh, people like us in independent publishing, uh, since we do our own press, we do our own promotion as I'm going to say this and it's going to sound a little bit sleazy, but I want you to, to understand what I'm actually saying here. We need to take a page from this because whenever I see promotion that a cartoonist has written, like about a Kickstarter or about a new book or something like that, nine chances out of 10, that person is bending over backwards to be truthful. And the fact of the matter is truthful ain't good promotion. I don't want to know the truth about your, it's like, for example, I'll tell you what I mean, just so you don't think I know. And by the way, I'm not advocating lying. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. But the, 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 what you choose to share in a marketing, yes, that's uh, a better burst, way to say it. Yep, and yep. the order in which you choose to share it is really crucial. I'll give you a great example. I was uh, reviewing one person's site and they had their ebook uh, on their site for sale. And it it, it, right under the title of the e-comic, it said full color, 375 pages or not. It was 37. I think Uh, 37 pages is more like it. now. When's the last time you were out looking for a book and you're saying, oh, you know what I really want to read today? Something that's full color, maybe about 40 pages or a little bit less. (laughs) Nobody has ever said it didn't have a word in there about what was in the book. What, would, what the book was about, what the guts of the book were, what the story was, what the hook was. Didn't have a word about that, but it told me it was full color and 37 pages. It was very truthful. It just wasn't good marketing. And yeah. certainly the page count is important, especially with the e-comic, e- because there, there, there tends to be a little bit of, uh, uh, of economics that go in there. Am I getting enough pages for my, for my money? But that goes at the bottom you got to share the 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 emotional stuff the exciting stuff up top it all has to do with what you're sharing how you're sharing it and in what order you're sharing it right yep yep
1: yep yep it's 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 interesting because um look at how i always i'm always fascinated by how um journalism covers science uh, yeah. Like the, an, an original paper is published and it is dry <laughs> as hell, but it's science. It is it, it's dry as hell because it's it's laying out in a factual way what the study proved, what it does, and then it, through like nine iteration of journalism, you eventually get the the headline: coffee causes foot odor <laughs> problems. You know whatever it is, <laughs> and yes! It, yes! it's it's not really what the study was about. It's a, but the way, you you get what I'm going at here, which is that yeah. that uh, journalists <laughs> love. This weird sort of like um, pithy, exciting, short, uh, easy to understand uh, elevator pitch headlines. And what the Far Side PR did really well is. Farside is coming back. All of that is true. That <laughs> phrase is true. But then parse yes! out what the truth is. Farside as a title is coming back to the web. Not Gary Larson. But and yet your heart wants it to be Gary Larson is coming back. Right. So what I'm getting at here is that it is truth, but it's truth wrapped in excitement. And that's an interesting thing to keep in mind when you're writing up a press release for your comic. It's truth, but it's wrapped up in excitement. Yeah. Um it's wrapped up in in all the marketing pitches that you would learn. So again, Brad is not advocating lying in any sense, but but journalists and PR in general loves a pithy elevator pitch that's exciting, it's sexy, it's fun, it's babbity bing ba boom So when you start to walk in into that world or dip a toe into those waters, know that what you would normally write at, in an email to someone like, hey, Brad, I have a new book coming out, you would write that very differently in a press release. So yeah. um, it just it's, it's, a worth, it's worthwhile just to contemplate how uh, United Media did that well, not United Media, uh, how uh, Go Comics did that well with uh far side because Brad and I could see it coming right up uh, main street there, but uh, <laughs> it's interesting how a lot of people miss that. But anyway, um, uh, I think that that one puts that one to bed. So Brad, let me move on to our next topic that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, and this one, uh, I, did you hear the news, Brad, about the Clip Studio Paint doesn't have, I know, because you, you're a big Clip Studio Paint uh, yes. uh, fan. And uh, in fact, I'll just, because I know that you know about this, the <laughs> OpenType support. And I, because you were well, the one that came at me with a, like a bat out of hell, like, Brad, did yeah. you hear about this? Oh, I was
0: furious.
1: Um, so tell, tell me what happened.
0: So, uh, so our longtime listeners will know that I, uh, I promoted the comic craft, uh, new year's day sale, which, uh, every January 1st, they, ter- they, make the price of each of their fonts uh, based on the new year. And so this year, each of their fonts were $20 and 20 cents. That's pretty significant because some of their bread and butter fonts, like their dialogue fonts, like Comic crazy and wild words are a uh, hundred or a couple hundred bucks. So you can make some serious savings. And I noticed that Wild Words and Comic Crazy, which I had bought uh, 20 years ago, uh, they had re-released it with uh, what they call crossbar I technology. Now, uh, uh, crossbar I. In comics, you only use the serif letter I when it's the personal pronoun. You don't use a serif letter I when uh, I is in the middle of a word, and you don't use it when it's at the beginning of a sentence and would normally be capitalized. Uh, you only and, use it And the it reason for... you don't do
1: that is you look like you're in kindergarten when you do. Yes. It's a weird. It's a weird uh, layout for the kerning of that of that word.
0: Yeah, yeah, the serifs throw the kerning off. Uh, but, and, and meanwhile, if you don't use the serifs on the personal pronoun I, then that that slash could look like a lowercase l or a number one, so you need it on the personal pronoun. But it, it, in, in terms of kerning, it is unnecessary and uh, distractful if you use a serif I. So that's the crossbar I rule. Well, they've got it baked into their new fonts so that you will only get the crossbar I, the serif I, when it's uh, standing alone as a personal pronoun in all other uses, it defaults to the sans serify. This is great uh, because uh, it, it just it just makes it that much easier. I was super excited about it. I had bought both Comic Crazy and uh, Wild Words so long ago that I didn't even have the receipts for them saved anymore because it was 20 years ago. And so right. they would have honored that if I could have shown a receipt and just sent me the new one. But I'm like, don't don't worry about it. I'll just buy the new fonts on New Year's Day for 20 bucks. It's well worth it. And I'll get that crossbar eye technology and I'll be zooming right along. This is great. New Year's Day, I rebuy both Comic Crazy and and Wild Words. I ditch the old ones from my my computer. By the way, mistake number one. I threw them away. (laughs) Right? Then I... (laughs) installed the new ones because I'm like, I don't want those old ones anymore. I don't even want those old ones showing up by mistake. Get them right off my computer. Clean, sweep, it's New Year's, zip, zip. And I launched Clip Studio Paint and I started, start putting my dialogue in, and I'm not getting the crossbar eyes. In fact, not only am I not, I can't get a crossbar I if I hit shift and hit the I key, uh, command shift, option shift. I'm going through all kinds of different iterations. I can't get a crossbar I to save my life. So I write into. uh, uh comic craft. And I say, Hey, do you guys ever get any response? Do you get, do you get any news that maybe your stuff isn't working with clip studio paint? And meanwhile, while I'm waiting for a response, I am like, well, maybe I need to update clip studio paint. Maybe I need to update my Mac software. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do this. Finally, a couple, And it, it was on a Sunday. They got back to me within a couple hours, which was kind of cool. And they said, he goes, yes, that's a result of Clip Studio Paint not uh, involving the open type uh, features that are involved with open type fonts. They don't have that wrapped into their system. If they would enable open type font features, this would work perfectly fine. Uh, But they don't, and it's a really big problem. And he goes, I encourage everybody that writes me to write in to Clip Studio and to ask them for OpenType support. So, number one, don't be surprised if uh, your crossbar i fonts don't work in Clip Studio. Number two, uh, we've got a pretty good audience out here listening. Between our Patreon backers and the people that are listening through Apple Podcasts and Google Play, Uh, we've got a lot of people listening. Take a second, uh, and I'm going to put this right in the post. I'm going to put the link to where you need to go. And I'm even going to put some wording there, so you don't even have to think about what to say. You can write your own, of course, but I'll put some wording in there. So if you want, you can just copy and paste it and send it along. Our goal in 2020 is to get OpenType support on Clip Studio Paint because it really is necessary. So uh, go to the post, uh, go, go to the uh, wherever you got this podcast, there's a little writing that goes along with it. I I've, I'll have the link for you there. I'll have some wording. Let's see if we can get Clip Studio Paint to release an update within 2020 that includes Open Type font support.
1: I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a great shout out, Brad, for for asking for that. Uh, it yeah. is. Uh, it's always funny when you come across something like that. That like Open Type has been around for I think I'm not wrong in saying like 15 years, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not new. It's it's, it's not it's it's not new. It's good.
1: Yeah. It, it, to me this is uh, the the equivalent of the the you got to color it in photoshop but you can do everything else in <laughs> And studio, yeah. page. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: don't open up that old
0: wound um, <laughs> i'm
1: just there's basic stuff come on uh, yeah, anyway yeah. so uh all right well let's let's move on to our next one so th- brad i got a question for you this comes in from our uh, our friend jeremy over at patreon.com slash comic lab and he says uh should i wait to do a kickstarter if i have good webtoons following but not a good social media following And then here's the details. I've acquired a good number of subscribers on Webtoons, and if I get five to 10% of my subscribers, I would have a successful Kickstarter. That said, my social accounts, Twitter and Instagram, don't have close to the same numbers. I haven't put as much effort into them as Webtoons, but I plan to change that this year. I wonder what returns on just Webtoon subscribers would be without the same social media presence, i.e. me adding a panel once a week for the Webtoons cartoon, talking about the Kickstarter, but that doesn't bang the drum as much as me doing one post a day to social media. So Brad, what are your thoughts? Someone who has built an audience, and I'll, I'll make this a little broader as we talk about it, that we can yeah. uh, uh, stretch this out to Facebook or Instagram or anything else, but uh, let's talk at first just about Webtoons. If someone has built an audience, uh, and let's call it a huge audience on Webtoons, um, yeah. And now it's come time to kickstart a book. What do they do? Because it's not a platform that they own or control, like we talked about last week. Right. So uh, how do they get the message out and how effective can they be in the end?
0: Well, it's a great question. And we've gotten a lot of questions about Webtoons from our listeners. We've got a lot of people saying, should I be putting time into building an audience on Webtoons? Does a Webtoons following count? And... uh, uh, so I, I wanted to talk about this this week. And uh, so let's let's give a brief overview of what you can do on Webtoons for people who aren't aware. You can post your comic, and significantly, you can post it in a panel-by-panel format that looks really good and reads really good on, uh, on smartphones, okay? So that's really the enticement on Webtoons is the panel-by-panel publishing and a big audience that's really into comics that you can possibly tap into. So you can post your comic, you can post what they call creator notes. You're limited to 400 characters, and I don't believe hyperlinking is supported. You could put a link there. Yeah, you could put a link there, but they're going to have to copy and paste it into a browser window. And as you know, that's too many steps. And you can hotwire your uh, Patreon you can put a little Patreon house ad there uh, that when they click it, it goes right to your Patreon. So you can, you do have one ad with a link that goes right to your Patreon. Uh, That's, that's significant as well. But if you'll notice, you can't really hyperlink other than that. So you can't send them directly to another place, which by the way, uh, puts this on the before you before you start crinkling up your nose and saying, well, that's that's horrible that's that's dumb. That is basically the exact same thing as happens on Instagram. You've yep. got a, uh, a a group of people who are really into the visual, right They're not into your posts about uh, you know foreign affairs or or anything else. They're into visuals, photos, images, cartoons, stuff like that that's that's Instagram. And that's Webtoons. And no posting, no hyperlinking. <laughs> you know, they, they do everything they can to keep you on that platform. So before you completely dismiss Webtoons, realize that that also means dismissing Instagram on the same merits. Now, can this person do it? Well, as always, it's going to be a numbers game. If you've got a huge following on Webtoons, then if you put a little as you're loading your panel by panel comic into uh, the next update, if you add one more panel that says, hey, I'm doing a Kickstarter, uh, here's how you can get to it in your browser window. And then you do that little trick we shared earlier on, I think, a pro tips where you buy a very simple URL and then have it redirect to your Kickstarter URL. Yep, like mybook.com uh, your, or whatever. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's your best bet because they're never going to do Kickstarter dot this dot that dot a bunch yep. of numbers. So yep. do the do get yourself a nice short URL that's easy to remember. Uh, that's because people are going to have to look at it, memorize it. Open a browser window and type it in. So you don't want weird character combinations and stuff like that. L's next to ones and all this other shit. Uh, Keep it short. Keep it super simple. (laughs) I
1: just love love when the old man comes out. It's going to have some L's next to ones and all this other shit. I don't want any of that in my URL. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, well, but it's, while I it, pause it, Brad I'll also say too like you don't want to use the shortened version that Kickstarter helpfully provides Right? like Kickstarter right. has the short version I don't remember what it is it's like kick.start or whatever I don't know but yeah. uh, don't use that one too because like Brad said you want it short, memorable, easy, discreet. You want it like a a very typeable phrase uh, because you're asking them to come from an ad to a typing moment. And that's a big ask, by the way. Yes. Uh, So you want to make it as easy as possible. So yes, Brad is a thousand percent correct. You want to make that uh, short and easy to remember and easy to type. Uh, No confusion possible.
0: Yeah. And, and then just like Instagram, it's going to be a numbers game. If you've got to make this work, you're going to need a huge following because I I think, what did he say? One to 5%? uh, You're not going to get 5%. It's going to be closer to 1% because you're asking people to do something more complicated than just click and they're not going to do it. Now, having said that you're writing me and you're saying, do you think this could work? And meanwhile, this should be something that you just do. I mean, if you here's the deal. It doesn't matter whether I think it could work. It doesn't matter whether Dave thinks it could work. What matters is, will it work specifically for you? And the only way you're going to find that out is to throw that switch on that Kickstarter and let her rip with everything you got. That's... The only thing that matters. Well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to
1: pause you though, Brad. I, I agree with you that the only, the only way to test a Kickstarter is to test a Kickstarter, but I think yeah. what they're asking specifically later in their question was, or do I hold off on kickstarting and build the social media out for the next year before I launch?
0: Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so going to be a little bit unfair. I'm going to be a little bit unfair. And and by the way, I, uh, I, if I'm going to say directly to this person, if I'm wrong about this, I apologize in advance but I've seen this person's name asking about Kickstarters going back to May of last year. And if you, ha- if you haven't pulled the trigger on this Kickstarter yet, you definitely have analysis oh. from paralysis or paralysis from analysis. It, it, the bottom line is you're doing worse than me. And that's pretty bad because I did horrible on Kickstarters last year. I didn't do any. So you're right there in the same boat as me, uh, which isn't good in this case. So stop asking questions and throw the switch. That's what I want. And by the way, if, if I'm wrong about that and I've just got two people with the same name writing in, then I am I apologize. But I guess that's why I'm trying to push this person a little bit because I, 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 I enough questions. Do it and find out, <laughs> and then you'll know, and then you'll learn something. And then if it fails, then you've you've got that to to come back with and and learn from. I don't don't get too worried about uh, what if this and what if that. If you've built a good following on webtoons, uh, by by the way, uh, what what's the, what's your alternative? You're going to build a following on social media. That's going to take a couple years right? Yeah, you're not yeah. going to do that overnight, you're, 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 especially if you do it organically. It's going to take you a couple of years. So uh, do it, do it. And then write back and tell us how it went. That's what we want to know. In fact, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wanted to know the answer to this question and you're the person who can tell us. <laughs> That's a good point. So I like it. I'll, I'll make this a personal
1: terms. If I waited yeah. until the perfect situation, the perfect conditions for me to kickstart a book, Brad, I yeah. might be waiting to my deathbed. Uh, right. and, I, and I say that as someone who's been working online for 20 years. I I don't know that my social media presence right now is big enough to kickstart a book. I don't know that my right. website readership is big enough to kickstart kick a book. I don't know if my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter. I don't know if any of that is big enough. Uh and, uh, and yet I try my best to kickstart books and have done so 13, 14 times now, but, uh, uh there's always better conditions. So if you let that yeah. be, if you let that be your goalpost, it's always going to be f- moving further and further away from you because you're like, well, I mean, I don't have, I don't have uh so-and-so's <laughs> numbers or I don't have, uh, this kind of growth. Uh, the, the, the kicker is, um, also, I would like you to try to to reframe, because Brad said, uh, if it fails, it fails. But I don't want to think about it in terms of failure. A Kickstarter, mm. if you remember it, is only an expenditure of energy. You have not spent any money on that Kickstarter. Right. So it is not a failure in the sense of like, I put $40,000 into this restaurant business, and then the restaurant failed. Um, it's not that, it's I tried a thing, the thing at this moment did not work out. I will try it again later. You know, that, like (laughs) reframe how, it's a learning moment in your mind of like, okay, what didn't go right? I'll try it again later on, or or I'll rephrase my marketing, or I'll reframe the way I'm pitching this to my readership. Or maybe it's I will grow my readership on social media in different ways that I didn't have before. Maybe that's a valid uh, concern for you going down the line. But to try it is, one of the one of the best first steps um if you have what you think is a sizable enough readership on webtoons that you think five to ten percent could make it a viable kickstarter um i like like brad i think it's probably closer to one percent will actually be motivated but Mm -hmm. if one percent could pay for the book and that gets the book out into the world then maybe do the book I, I right. don't know. I mean, uh, I, it's up to you. It's all, it's your own journey about what you need financially from this project. And maybe the the setback of a Kickstarter that doesn't go would be so crushing that you feel like it might stop you cartooning. And I hope that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like there's a lot of value in trying it. If, like Brad says, it's been since May of last year or two years ago that you've been thinking about this. Um Yeah. To, to quote my Irish grandfather, it might be time to shit or get off the pod.
0: <laughs> yes, and meanwhile, for those other readers who are writing in and saying, "Is is webtoons worth it? Should I be uh, should I be pursuing webtoons?" I, I think in that discussion that we just had, is your answer, and it, and the answer is maybe. You know, if, if you, it, 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 it's something I do, I keep my toe in the water over there and I'm, I don't, I don't build everything there, but I do mirror my site there. Uh, and I think it's worth it for mirroring. Uh, is it worth it? Uh, that's a good question. If you can build high uh, high enough numbers and play the numbers game to where one percent is uh, valuable to you, uh, then it will have been worth it. Uh, can I tell you right off the bat that uh, that's going to happen? No. And you do have to know going in that uh, marketing and promoting on webtoons is going to be a creative challenge for you to solve. It's not going to be cut and dry. It's not going to be easy. Right, <laughs> but it's going to be something that you are going to have to solve to make it work. Uh, and again, that that's not bad. That just makes it very similar to Instagram in that respect.
1: Right. And uh, listen, both Brad and I, uh, as Brad just said, take advantage of these walled gardens on the internet, these, in, these individual yeah. platforms. They exist, they have large uh, audiences, and we should take advantage of them. But we always just have to keep in mind, as we talked about at length like last show, that when you go into those walled gardens, it's really hard to lead people away from those gardens by design. Yeah like yeah. those walled gardens want to keep you in that walled garden whether it's in Instagram it's in Facebook uh Twitter's not so bad uh but webtoons go comics they all want to keep you there so it's really hard as an artist to link out you know uh because unlike the internet of the late 90s the the current uh, platform systems don't want to let you go elsewhere they want to keep you where you are so um use them Uh, make them work for your career as best you can. But no, as is the case with situations like this Kickstarter, it's hard to get people off those platforms by design. So um, I think we can leave that
0: one there, Brad. What do you think? I think you're right. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on
1: Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just
0: for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community
1: of professional cartoonists.
0: So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody,
1: let's talk comics.
0: All right, Dave, you got time for another $5 Patreon question? I do indeed. I've got a great one for you here. Listen to this. Dear Brad and Dave, there are a few webcomics I used to love, but that I've stopped following due to perceived shifts in tone, style, or subject matter. While I am not talking about anything that either of you have made, (laughs) thank goodness. (laughs) Thanks for throwing that in for us. I appreciate it. My ego was getting a little bruised. Uh, Although I'm not talking about you, I was curious, as comic creators, would you want to know when and why someone who used to be a fan chose to stop following your work, perhaps as feedback for what you could do to improve? So Dave, somebody just stopped reading Drive. Do you want to hear from them with their uh, detailed uh, analysis of why that was? (laughs) <laughs> I do not. I do not. <laughs> I, uh,
1: how do I put this? I could. Uh, I want to put this in ways that don't make me sound like a jerk, but I'm just going to say it. Oh, I be could a jerk. care less. I could care less. <laughs> um, right. And uh, so uh, I will probably add the caveat that if I hear from 200 people with the same complaint, um, that I might go, huh, all right well, that's something I can think about. But yeah. I individually, I neither take pain nor pleasure from someone moving on from something they've read for a long time. Yeah, uh, I acknowledge it as a natural flow. like I always assume, Brad, at any given time, I am losing. Uh, five to twenty percent of my readership, and gaining five to twenty percent of my readership, right. and hopefully, if I'm doing my job right, I'm losing five to twenty, but gaining six to twenty-one percent. You know that kind yes. of thing. Yes. Um. So that the the constant churn is a little bit higher on the income than it is on the outflow, but you know, anyway. So uh, let's examine real quick. Why do I not care? Okay. So I think uh, I'm I'm thinking out loud. I think the reason is that uh, at this point. I have come to like and trust what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying if I'm enjoying it enough to draw it, then I like the idea enough such that I, I don't need the feedback. And that sounds disingenuous, but it's kind of true that I still draw for me with the benefit that there is a nebulous tens of thousands out there that also read it, you know, like I I don't know. Um, What are your thoughts, Brad? Okay. Someone comes to you and says, Hey, Brad. I've I've been reading uh, Evil Ink for gosh go uh, five years ten years I don't even know but uh, today I, I'm just I'm not going to read it anymore Would you like to know why Brad
0: <laughs> No No Listen the 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 rule there is never listen to a reader Always listen to your readers Yep.
1: Yeah, that's a good summation. Okay,
0: so if you if you get caught into this trap of listening to a reader or or trying to make changes based on one person or a small number of people's feedback, you're going to run yourself in circles because uh, you're going to get one person who says, "Oh, I like this character with blue hair," and you're like, "Oh, great, blue hair, blue-haired people." I'll do blue-haired people, and then the next person's going to say, "Well, I like people with with red hair." And then you go, okay, maybe, maybe half my characters have blue, half of them have red. This is great. And then you get the person says, well, why why can't they be purple? And and, and then you try to, you know, have the, the people mush their hairs together and make purple. And you you just run in circles because you cannot ever do something that's gonna please all the people all the time. And that's right. where you've gotta have and you and you've gotta generate it, you've gotta cultivate it. But the key word that Dave said there was confidence, right? You've got to build up a confidence in what you, you know what you're doing. You have put the work in, you put the thought in, you've you've done the polishing before it has been published uh, on your website and, and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and whether it's going to stand on its own merits uh, has yet to be seen. But you right. cannot be distracted by one person's comments, nor right. can you allow that one person to run you around in circles. Uh, right. It is it, just a, a losing ball game if you do. So you you you've got to cultivate uh, confidence in in what you're doing, don't you think?
1: Yeah, like if I, if, if reader Eugene comes up to me at Comic-Con and goes, well, I used to read the comic, but I, I just don't, don't read it anymore. And I don't know why Eugene has that voice, but anyway, let's keep going with it. Um, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy it anymore. But I, if you, if you got rid of the dog, I would, I would probably jump back in, but I, I don't, I just don't love the dog comics. And then what happens if, if I drop the dog, I'm not creating the comic for me anymore. I'm creating right. it for Eugene. And then I'm constantly like checking in. How are we doing, Eugene? Hey, well, <laughs> hey, let's just check it in. We still, we're still on the same we're page still, about this. We still can Eugene. I can't, I can't lose Eugene. If I've lost <laughs> Eugene, I've lost the war. Uh, I can't lose Eugene. Um, And and there's something
0: that's, there's something that's crucial about that, Dave. And that is, that is this, when we start out doing web comics, we've got this mindset as if there's a finite number of web comics readers and we've got to get a majority of them, right? There's only so many people and I've got to get them. And if I lose one, then it's, it's going to be harder for me to get that number. When the truth of the matter is there is an infinite number of readers out there. Oh nigh yeah. on to infinite. You've gotta you've gotta get that through your head. <laughs> There's an infinite pool to fish from. So you cannot get distracted by Eugene because you're leaving Millions of other people uh, behind because what if Eugene has really, really dumb ideas? Let's face yeah. it, if Eugene had good ideas, Eugene would be doing a comic. <laughs> yeah, where's uh, exactly what's,
1: hey, Eugene, what are you doing over there? Don't pick on me. Leave me alone. Leave me out of this. I don't want to, uh, uh, let me go back to playing Untitled Goose Game. I don't want to, uh, leave me alone. Um, so uh, here's the thing, Brad, to Brad's point, the English speaking world across the internet is vast, is gigantic. Yes. And I have not even begun after 20 years to scratch the surface 99.99999% of english speakers have not heard of dave kellett they haven't heard of sheldon they haven't heard of drive uh so if anything the challenge is is getting them out to getting those comics out to more people uh, not losing the one that i've had for 20 years um like that's fine that's acceptable people change it's okay but Here's a little, if it's not a truth, it's truthy, that actually the more specific you write to you, that you're writing to your truth, honest to God, I found more often than not, you will find your tribe online, um, Mm -hmm. and they will find you, and word will spread among people that, like, if you draw, and I always make uh, this weird example, if you, for whatever reason, love Victorian fashions and the, spe- the specifics of the buttons, of the of the clasps, of the way they would sew, and you make a comic about that, about Victorian fashions, and like, uh, oh, it's set in a shop in London and people coming in and out and buying the fashion and stuff, honest to God, you will find your tribe online and they <laughs> yes. will help do the heavy lifting and spreading the word for the strip. I mean, yeah. you tell me about a, a, a little kid who plays hockey in, uh, in, in Canada on a team and he loves baking and uh, is gay? And like that comic found its tribe because, like, yes. that was so specific and individual and unique and wonderful that when people found it, they spread the word about it. But had she market tested it to, to check in with Eugene to see if he liked it, hey, right. do you like you? Oh, you don't like hockey, Eugene? Okay, we'll make it basketball. Oh, you don't want him baking? All right, well, then we'll make him, uh, he loves making pasta. Oh, you don't want him gay? All right, well, now he's straight. Okay, so yeah. like you've market tested it to Eugene. Okay, great. Now you've got the Eugene audience and yes. there you go. Now you've got Eugene and that's it.
0: Now now I'm going to be evil, Dave. I'm going to throw a, a wicked little twist into this. Eugene writes a blog and calls himself a comics critic and writes right. a bunch of blog posts uh, from a critical analysis. Does Eugene have greater weight in your mind now? He's a critic, Dave. Now, now do you, now does Eugene matter? He's got a blog and everything. Brad, to that I say,
1: all God's children have a place in the choir. Some sing low and some sing higher. Some just clap their hands. I don't know why I thought that lyric from uh, John Denver. John Denver lyric there, everybody. Don't know why I'm including that. Wow. What I'm getting at of there is Eugene is now a critic, and now he's writing in a different format, and he's still got his own individual voice on the internet. Right. Fine, I've right. had that where critics don't take a shine to Sheldon or don't take a shine to drive, or do take a shine to Sheldon or do take a shine to drive, and in the end, the net result is actually not that much of a difference uh, for the audience growth or or depletion. Um, right, and I'll tell you why. If someone loves Sheldon and then a critic writes negative things about it, nothing's going to drive them. Away away from it, you know, in the same way that if I love doesn't matter what, the Mandalorian, but then I read yeah. a harsh review in the Washington Post, it's not like I'm stopping reading the I just take it in as another datum fact and then keep moving on, you know? Um but uh so no, it doesn't change my opinion if it if they become a critic. Um yeah. again though, it's to Brad's point, listen to your readers, not your reader. If a yes. thousand people, if a hundred people, if two hundred people all come to me going, hey, that was a that was a really uh unfortunate joke that you made yesterday, then I should mm-hmm. probably take a moment to self-examine and go, hmm, maybe that I could have phrased that better. Or if one person, if Eugene emails me and goes, I don't like jokes about cats. Right. How dare you? Right. Then I go, ha, man, we're learning a lot about Eugene today. All right, delete and move on. Um, so like if it's a lot of people complaining, yeah, maybe take a take a moment and a beat. Um but again, I, I should probably emphasize that this confidence comes after twenty years of cartooning, and it's yeah. probably a very different proposition when you're starting out because you only have five readers, and if you've lose if you lose Eugene, then yeah. all you've got is Steve, Mary, Louise, and Helen. And if the oh, the other four go, oh God, Brad, what's happening? <laughs> um, so. Um, uh, I get it that early on in the career, every reader feels like a precious drop of water in the yes. desert, but oh, yes. um, you've got to have the confidence to keep going. And I've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. a lot of people early on with Drive were like, why is it all blue? Why are these these found <laughs> data pages in here? None uh, of this work. Uh, uh, this is uh, not how a comic uh, uh, should be drawn. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I got a lot of that at Drive, but I was like head down, uh, blinders on, kept drawing because I knew the story that I wanted to tell. Yeah. And is it is it gangbusters New York Times number one? No, but has it found its audience, and I love doing it yes, great okay yeah. good and the 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 key thing is that the joy that I experience drawing it comes through to the audience I think but if i'm uh this is another thing if I'm writing to Eugene, my own personal joy is tempered so somewhat, right. and so the audience will feel that too they'll feel Brad pulling his punches in his writing yes. or or modifying his story or watering it down. Uh, to satisfy Eugene, you know. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, Brad, have you ever had it where someone makes a comment about, "Oh, I didn't love, I didn't love the way this this story arc ended up," and did it impact your writing? Have you ever had that happen? Do you ever do
0: that? No, no. I, I, I for for the exactly the same reasons that we've discussed, I, I really try to avoid that. Now, every now and again, somebody will point out like a plot point uh that that is like oh well he couldn't have he couldn't have been there because three pages ago it said that he's never been in Iowa, so he he couldn't have been in Dubuque at the time, right, and it's like, oh yeah, I did say that I'm gonna have to <laughs> you know I'm gonna have to figure something out there yeah I gotta work uh, every now and again there is like a fact or as or as close to fact as you get in the evil lake universe there there's something that that is like a story point that I do have to consider uh but Nine chances out of ten. Uh, it no, I don't i i I really don't uh, I, I don't take reader comments uh, that seriously, because again, you can't get it. And by the way, that also means that when somebody writes and says something very nice, you also can't get kind of, uh, uh all gooey and, and misty eyed over something like that, because you've got to take that with the same kind of, that's very nice. And you always write something very nice. You know, you always respond to that. Uh, you know, you don't, don't be a dummy. But uh, but no, you can't get all mystified over positive comments either. You've got to keep your eye on the horizon and look at the big numbers. Are you, are you steadily gaining on the big numbers? Are you, are you, and by the way, uh, when we say don't listen to a reader, but always listen to your readers, another way of doing that is what we were talking about at the top of the show with a Kickstarter. That's a great way to listen to your readers right? It is by launching right. a Kickstarter, launching a Patreon. Uh, then you get a chance to hear your readers. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but one vociferous person that wants you to do a certain thing or, or, or you know, wants a story to be different, nah, you, you really can't do that because again, you're just going to run in circles. There's no way it ends well. And, and you and you never please anybody. At the end of the day, you got to please yourself as a writer. That's the only person you can please is yourself, right? So shoot for that. You're never yes. going to please Eugene and all the other Eugenes out there. So please yourself. That's the one thing you can achieve.
1: I You know, I often go back to this kind of thought uh, because when we talk about comics. There are a billion other creative industries we could go into where someone will tell you what to do. Right. Um, and... One of the reasons that I love comics is that the joy I get from telling the story that I want to tell the way I want to tell it is so overflowingly delightful and wonderful. I love that aspect of comics. Mm-hmm. And Alternately, I am a curmudgeon. I hate it when people tell me what to do. I don't like notes. I don't like editors. I really dislike, like, hey, why don't you uh, change this and this around? Oh, go away. Get out of, man, get out of here. Um, and so when, when, a, when a reader says, like, I just love the comic. I just don't want it anymore of the dog. I'm like, yeah, but that's what's making me happy. That's why I'm making yeah. comics is to yeah. make this comic. And, and so this is the reason why I'm making comics. And if you don't like it, that's fine. There's another one tomorrow. And if you don't yeah. like that one, that's fine. Mind, there's 4000 in the archives go read the other ones um and uh and if that and, and if it's not for you that's also fine there's a yeah. thousand other comics in this great big ocean go read those ones yeah um and uh because i'm in an industry where i want to tell the stories that i want to tell the way i want to tell them and now listen that also means as an artist you have to Part of the confidence is that you learn to craft your story and your jokes and your characters in a way that appeals to the joy in your heart, but that also reaches the broadest possible message, the broadest possible audience, while still being true to what you want to tell. So that means you don't, for all the classic storytelling reasons, there's a thousand mistakes you can make in your storytelling. And so you you hone with your craft and your skill yes. um, the joy that you feel into the best told story. Now, that's fine. But mm. you don't change the story to meet someone else's uh, desires and goals and whims. Um, right. You, you maintain your own path that you want to go. Right, Brad?
0: I saw a very interesting exchange on Instagram one time where there was an artist and he, and he, he was doing, instead of his usual stuff, he did this side uh, a project for a few, uh, for a few uh, weeks, even a month or so. It was, a, it was a, depart- a departure. And one of his comments on Instagram was, I really don't see why you need to do this side project. I liked your regular stuff. I don't see why you need to do this side thing. And this person very kindly, but also very firmly said, oh, I know why, what the problem is. Uh, I'm not making the comic for you. I'm making it for me, and I'm sharing it with you. And there's a difference between those two things. And that should clear up all of the misunderstandings. <laughs> do, you rem- I, did you, uh, do you remember that? Uh, because I'm talking about you. <laughs> Oh, really? You, was that something oh, I said? This was somebody that uh, did not that's like an – That's unusually av- ballsy for me to directly oh, address someone and be like, oh, yeah, you, no, to hell, go to hell.
1: That's because I draw the comic for me. Well, uh, that's I'm, interesting.
0: I'm, I'm paraphrasing the way Brad Geiger would say it. You said it in a very much nicer way, but the theme was still there where you you basically said, that's OK. I'm not making this for you. I'm making it for me and I'm sharing it with you. There's a difference <laughs> between those two things. You said it very kindly, but it was also very. Ne- it needed to be said. You know that that's you cannot. I mean, listen. I
1: I have no memory of that, but that I, I find it true. A uh, good job, past me. I don't oh, remember
0: saying that, but that's – uh, I had it. I had it. I had it. Needle pointed onto a pillow. I lay my head down <laughs> on it every day. It's. <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant response.
1: I mean, it's true because, uh, like. I uh, I'll, I'll I think it probably, was it like Anatomy of Animals or Anatomy of Authors probably that I was commenting? Yeah, comment yeah. Okay. it was
0: one of the anatomies, yeah.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, yeah. There are times, I've been doing Sheldon for 21 years, 22 years, yeah. what, 98, 20, 22 years now, <sighs> so... Let me tell you, you get a little tired of, of walking down the same path. And so right. sometimes to keep your own spirit and your heart fresh, you got to try new things. And so I could have either quit doing Sheldon or I could for a while do Anatomy of Animals and Anatomy of Authors or or this and that, right? In the children's book I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and it's just a way of keeping your heart happy. And also, I just wanted to walk down that path. <laughs> and so... Me addressing that reader of like, oh, it's because I don't draw it for you is if I had told Eugene, oh, yeah, no, we're going back to Sheldon immediately, Eugene. Sorry about that. Well, I would have been killing my own spirit and my own joy in that moment and going back to something that at that moment felt a little bit like drudgery because I've been doing it for 22 years. So Mm -hmm. um, I needed for me to keep the joy alive by trying something slightly different. But that wasn't enough in the same vein that I could put it on Sheldon as a website. And um, 90% of people loved it. 10% of people were like, God, I wish you would go back to Arthur. I don't want this. I, I want the duck again, you know? Uh, yeah. And that's fine, by the way, that's fair. I have that with other comics of mine that I mm-hmm. read. But the thing is, um, uh, what's that uh that joke that people would talk about with uh with uh, George R. R. Martin that Neil Gaiman was like, George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. Uh because <laughs> he's not writing he's not writing the song of ice and fire for you. He's writing right. it for him. And if it takes him an extra year to finish the next book, that's fine. That's what he needs, you know? Yeah. Um and so part of it is that you've got to service yourself as an artist and maintain the joy because it's hard to be creative. And if mm. you lose that spark, boy, it's real easy to stop doing what you're doing. So for me, switching gears was the right way to do it. Um, yeah. And as I said, 90% of people loved it, 10% didn't. And it's okay that the 10% didn't because my heart and my creativity was maintained and I did a project that I loved and that I'm proud of. And that's fine. That's okay. That's, that was a healthy way to do that, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, this person wanted more Arthur. And the the truth of the matter is, is that this is how you get more (laughs) Arthur. This is how you get more Arthur. Yes, that's a great way to say it. Yes. Yeah. By getting a month of anatomy of authors is exactly how you get more Arthur's. Yes. Man, that's a tough sentence to say. Choose no, some know, different character we'll, we'll, names. We'll just say Sheldon. Like, yeah, the yeah, way yeah. you
1: get more Sheldon is allowing yes. me to step away from Sheldon after 22 years for a little bit and do this other thing, which, by yeah. the way, I'm still making comics. It's not yeah. that I've stopped. Um, so you're still getting a little slice of my sense of humor, but in a different vein. And and look, and bang, now we're back to doing uh, Sheldon again. And so, Great. Uh you got what you wanted long term, I got what I needed uh, uh short term and in the meantime a really beautiful anatomy of author book that made. Right. So that's great. Um all right. Well, let's let's put a pin in that cuz I think we we handled that well and I think Eugene will be a little frustrated but moving yes. on to his next comic. Yes. Um I don't know why Eugene, we got to Eugene Eugene but...
0: will live, but we will have to go on to another question. What do you think? That's right. So here we go. Brad and Dave Uh, Thanks for all the tips, laughs, and insights into the
1: world of comics and cartooning. I want to ask if either of you, in the beginning of your careers, ever obsessed over an artist you looked up to and felt you might be over-focusing on them versus creating your own work. And if so, how did you change your focus to produce more and get out of the ultra fan mode? This well, is an I'm, interesting question from Jeremy Thomas over at patreon.com slash comic lab. We've never had uh, a question like this. Brad, have you ever over-obsessed over an artist you looked up to, I guess, as Jeremy says, to the detriment to your own creativity?
0: I'm trying to think if I've done that. I I I, I know when I started out, I was a really big Berkeley-breathed fan, and my early Greystone Inn uh, borrows an awful lot in look and in tone from Bloom County, but I I, yeah. I don't know that I was like in ultra fan mode. I I quickly grew out of that, uh, partially because I wasn't a good enough uh, drafts person to uh, pull off the Bloom County look. It it very quickly morphed into the Brad Geiger look, and 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 similarly uh, my writing quickly at, at some point, started to find its own legs, and right. I, I started instead of trying to write a joke that sounded like a Bloom County joke, I I started focusing much more on trying to find something that sounded like a a, a Brad Geiger joke for right. you know for better for worse. Uh, what about you? I, I I'm I'm having a hard time uh, finding resonance with this. I, I, have you experienced what the this question asker is talking about?
1: Well, I like you, I had cartoonists that I very much looked up to when I started. Yeah. For me, it was Watterson. And I guess if I'm looking back on it, when I started Sheldon 22 years ago, it was, in a sense, a poor man's Watterson in the mm-hmm. way that yours was a poor man's brother. Uh, yeah. In that we all have somebody that we look up to and that inspire us to draw, whether it's Garfield, whether it's Bloom County, whether it's, uh, you know, Pearls Before Swine, doesn't matter what mm-hmm. a person where their style, their approach, their look, their feel really inspires you and wants to make you draw, you know, right. it, it, they give you the passion for the art form and the, and the enjoyment of it. Right. And that's fine. That's fair. That's a natural part of the journey. Um, But what's interesting, and I I think it's worth talking about, is this idea that you're, because Jeremy phrases it differently. He says, you obsess in ultra fan mode so much that my sense is that you don't create, is what he's saying. And that's, different i always created but i think if anything my fault was at the beginning i was a little too copy-ish in my creating you know like the the teen dave kellett or the early 20s dave kellett was like maybe dave maybe you need to draw a little bit more the way dave kellett would draw that (laughs) and not not the way pogo or bill watterson or whatever you know whatever that kind of thing so um but I like this idea, and this is worth discussing. That someone could be such a fan girl or fan boy that they don't actually create their own thing so much. Uh, you know what I mean? And there's interesting uh, aspect to that. That like there's there's a perfectly acceptable and valid reasons for creating fan art or mm-hmm. fan stories or fan uh, um, you know where you're like I'm Brad, I'm going to write my own Star Trek, Star Trek script, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, because it's fun. You know, you know you know the format, you know the idea, you love the characters, you love the setting. So why not revel in that playground for a little bit, right? I'm going to play in that sandbox. Yeah. Um and that's fine. But I think when when you get stuck in that mode, when you're only creating fan art and you're not creating your own thing, I think it speaks to a lack of confidence in yourself that your ideas could eventually be as good, right? Now obviously, when you're starting, they're not going to be as good, but you have to allow yourself to stumblingly haltingly, failingly begin you got to begin you know yeah uh, you've got to do your own stuff because otherwise you'll just be retreading the old, the ground of of uh that a, that a fan work can do right and don't get mm-hmm. me wrong there's creativity there's joy again there's a lot of wonderful things to happen in obsessing over another fan property um but there is such a unique joy in getting better at telling your own stories and writing your own uh, uh, characters and drawing your own worlds. And will it be halting at first? Yes. Will it feel not as immediately rewarding as drawing a a story set in a fan universe? Of course, because that one's a fully realized universe. Um, But will the ultimate rewards for working on your own things be much higher? Oh my God, yes, so much higher. Yeah. And it's something that I think both Brad and I would encourage. Brad, what are your thoughts? Uh, do, you, do you get where I'm going at with the, like where the obsession over a fan property keeps you from doing your own thing? Don't yeah. you think that's a, a lack of confidence about the future that you could have in your own work?
0: I think, I think you're making good points on confidence uh, and, and, I, and I'm gonna co-sign that. Uh, but as you were talking, I had another thought. And, and here's something else that I want this, uh, this person to really think long and hard on. And that is this, uh, sometimes I have to clean out the garage and I hate cleaning out the garage. The garage is a mess right now. Okay. Uh, after the home renovation, everything got stuffed into the garage. It's, it's, uh, a, and, and the home renovation is still going on by the way, but I, I, I it, follow me here. I got to clean out the garage. And on the, on the, on the Saturday morning, I wake up and I'm going to clean the garage on the way down to the, to the basement. I realize the dishes need to be washed. And I really should wash the dishes. So I wash the dishes. And now that I've got the dishes put away, I really should bake some cookies because I've got this nice clean cookie sheet. And and after all, I'm in the kitchen. So I should probably bake the cookies. And while the cookies are there, I can't hardly go down to the garage now because I got cookies in the oven. But I can uh, do some dusting in the living room. And then after I'm done dusting in the living room, it might be time for me to write those thank you notes for Christmas uh, presents. And do you see where I'm going here? I really don't want to clean the garage. And I'm finding every excuse I can to not, because I don't want to bake cookies either, but it certainly is better than cleaning the garage. And I don't want to write notes and I don't want to, but I'm finding all of these excuses that feel like doing something productive. And in in some cases might even be productive, like in the cookies, Uh, but I'm not getting the job done. And the reason I'm not getting the job done is because for some reason, I find it incredibly easy to find all kinds of distractions when I want to procrastinate from something I really don't want to do. Right. And my concern about this person is if they are this easily distracted or willfully distracted by by fanning out over somebody's work instead of doing their own. My concern is they really don't want to do this very much because they take a look at the stories that we both told. We were both huge fans of somebody. They were, we idolized them. We tried to bring their stuff into our own work, but we were so uh overjoyed about doing the work ourselves that very quickly over the case uh, over the course of a few months uh, that idol fell into the rearview mirror and our careers were in the front of the of the uh vista and we were traveling towards a completely different horizon because we we really wanted to do the thing that we were doing and if it's this easy for you to distract yourself with things that are inconsequential, like looking at somebody else's art or, or even trying to copy that art uh, over and over and over again, take a good hard look at the project that you're working on and ask yourself, is this something I really want to do? Because you your, your psyche might be telling you that you really don't want to do this. And that means you need to find something else that is indistractable, that is uh, unwavering, right? That you're so fired up about working on that you can't be distracted from it, that no one else's work is as nearly as fascinating as what you're going to do to that page today. Uh, my, My concern is, I'm hearing, when I'm hearing this question, I'm hearing ambivalence and I'm hearing yeah. somebody that wa- that deep down on a, on a subconscious level wants to be distracted from it because maybe they're not 100% in this thing in the first place. Is that unfair?
1: No, I I see what you mean. And and uh, as you say it, I'm like, nah, oh, that could be true. Yeah. I mean, it could be it could be one of two things. It could be, like you said, ambivalence about the project itself, the, whatever the, yeah. their personal thing that they want to work about. I think that's actually, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really strong possibility that they're looking for anything. At this point, it's like, no, oh, there's a uh, McDonald's. I got to pull yeah, over. I can't yeah. work on my comic. That can't work on an empty stomach. Can't work yeah, on gotta, an empty uh, stomach. I gotta, can't do this comic with an empty stomach. Got to get that McRib. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, uh, but it could also be, I think the other answer, which is they're they're not ambivalent, they love it, but they just they go to draw and their world is not as fully realized yet as this fan world that they're living in of this pr- other IP that exists. yeah right because that other IP, whether it's 10 something from uh, a, a manga that's existed for for 20 years and is a fully realized story or if it's a TV show that's been going forever, whatever it right. is, it's more fully realized than the early exploratory story that they're starting to put down on paper. And so they get frustrated and they go back to the fan story thing, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's, you're right, it's either ambivalence um, or it's lack of confidence in the comparative value of your story, which is just beginning... Uh versus this fully realized, established mega story that exists in popular culture, right? Yeah. And a part of this goes to that old internet truism that you can't compare your blooper reel <laughs> to someone else's yeah. highlight reel. Yeah. You know? Because whoever or whenever this fan or this popular culture thing is that you're a fan of that got started in much the same way that your current project is getting started. Mm-hmm. In a room with someone by themselves, in a garage, in a, in a project of one or two friends talking about it over coffee, you know, whatever it was, it didn't have a start with a hundred million dollar budget, it had a start with a person or a few people talking about, hey, this might possibly be a thing, right? And then having the halting but confident steps to move forward and trying it out. And so I think both Brad and I would encourage you to play the mental game of increasing your confidence level that you might not be where you want to be right now, but Mm -hmm. if you keep going, if this is a project
0: you believe in, you will get to where you want to get to. Yeah. Either way, I think one thing we agree on, this is indicative of uh, a deeper discussion that this person needs to have with themselves, right? In other words, it's not just, oh, I'm really uh, interested in this other person's art. That lack of uh, focus on one's own work uh, is is an indication that that there's something that's not setting right deeper down. And wh- it, whether yeah. it's confidence— or uh, you actually don't really want to be working on this project, or or w- what it is. I, I think what you're talking about is, it indicates uh, a bigger uh, uh, conversation you have to have with yourself. I, yep. I, I don't yeah, think I it's really just a, a toss away thing. I think I think this is in, in, indicative of you need to have a bigger conversation with yourself.
1: I think that boy, that's really true. I think that's really true. And I'm going to throw out one third option that just occurred to me now as Brad was saying this. I thought I was going to put a button on it, but no, I have one more idea. And that is this. Also, be kind to yourself that if you're starting a new project, it might be the case that your uh, your brain is percolating on the possibilities of your story and it's not yet ready. Right. Yes. That's another possibility. Yeah. Sometimes we have a story where we're like, I got the idea. I got the basic idea, but I don't want to start it yet because something doesn't feel right. And uh, as an artist, sometimes, you know, it now, this is different than the person we were talking about before. That's like two years into. Should I do a Kickstarter? That's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting a story, sometimes it just needs to percolate for a while. You know what I mean? Like the, it needs to marinate and, and maybe your brain is actively seeking out fan stories because there's something in that popular culture, uh, uh IP that sparked uh, a creative joy for you. Or maybe there's an idea that you want to echo in the work that you want to do, whatever it is, maybe you just need to need a little more time to marinate on it. So keep working on it. Keep plugging away. And, but also to Brad's point, do have that deeper conversation with yourself of why am I halting? Is it ambivalence? Is it confidence? Is it a mixture of both? Am I also still marinating on the idea? And I think maybe you'll come up with the answer.
0: Yes. So Dave, you, you, I want to ask you this, are you, are you ready to have a smile put on your face? I am yes. I, I, well, see, here's the deal. I've been looking <laughs> this through. This sounds creepy where it's going. <laughs> Are you ready to have a smile put on your face? Um, no, no. It, it, so here's the deal. We we encourage our readers and our Patreon backers to give us uh, friendly five star ratings on Apple Podcasts and I'll leave a few words uh, to encourage other people to listen to the show. And sure. I've just been I've just been looking over the holiday weekend, and I got such a thrill. Uh, because so many of you guys uh, and so many of you folks have put such nice, uh, downright heartwarming things uh, in those comments. And Dave, I want to share one with you because I, I think you're going to love it. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Listen to this. This one comes in uh, on Apple Podcasts after a uh, five-star rating. Uh, it says, great for creators. One of the few podcasts about making comics that actually focuses on useful tips and best practices instead of meandering discussions. Highly recommended. <laughs> comes comes in from Andy, who's the writer of My Roommate the Internet. Uh, Dave, we're getting right down to brass tacks, no meandering discussions. <laughs> I with love in my heart Andy I got to say you must be
1: listening to a different podcast <laughs> He
0: might might have hit the wrong button. I think maybe he was looking for a different show.
1: (laughs) I I say this with love, though, Andy. First of all, thank you for the kind words. I think uh, me talking about uh, a a Swedish lifeguard telling me to hold on for dear life as a bathtub of water fills up behind me. Maybe not all brass tacks getting down to facts over here about how to make a living in comics. but, But regardless of that, I thank you, Andy. That's really nice of you to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't want to get into any, we wouldn't want to get into any meandering discussions, and then put them all together into an hour and a half show. No, God, no! We want to,
1: but that means that means on some level though, Andy is getting enough. uh, I guess the wheat versus chaff thing is is high high enough ratio where we're given enough helpful things that uh, occasionally, if we talk about Voltron not forming up quite right, that that that
0: balances out against it, uh, which is which is okay. So thank you, Andy, for that. I appreciate that. That's very nice. Yeah, I knew I knew that was going to be a nice way to end the show with a smile because, like I said, I sat there reading these things over the. Holiday uh, and it, uh, you folks really do. Uh, 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 it, it, it really does make a difference, uh, and, and it's it's a great way to get a little ego boost and uh, feel good about yourself to see that wh- this show is making a connection with uh, with you all. It's 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 fantastic to see. So I, so just thank you for that. Know that know that you made me smile as I was uh, sharing a one bedroom uh, 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 condo apartment with my in laws while my house is being <laughs> ripped apart. <laughs> and, and, and I'm getting no, I'm getting phone calls from the electrician saying this knob and tube wiring is a death trap. You've got to change everything. <laughs> oh, As God. all of that was happening, uh, it, it, just know that your comments were making me smile through all of the zeros behind the estimate <laughs> that my electrician was giving me.
1: <laughs> and if you've got if you've got knob and tube wiring, that's a lot of zeros, Brad. I can t- <laughs> I can tell you. Oh. I only had I that can... in one part of my first house. Knob and tube. And the electrician, oh, yeah. honest to God, turned at me, and he's like, "This will kill you. Get this out of your house." And I was we like, "Oh, I, mate, I guess that's a, I guess that's a
0: check <laughs> I'm writing then We're going to get that yeah. out of the house. Yeah, yeah, mine, mine said, "Watch this cool little magic trick I'm going to do." He touched it with his finger and it disappeared. the wire the, the coating on the wire just went. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh oh God. golly! But listen, there was, there's one thing that the electrician said to me that has stayed with me for a long time. After he said, "This wiring will kill you," he looked now, at me that? dead, just dead in the eyes. He, uh-huh. he stops in the yeah. middle. He looks at me dead Hands in the eyes. Hands on ice. the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, and he says, uh, "You know what?" He says, "You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics." And then he hopped on a plane,
1: flew to Los Angeles, and said to me, (laughs) your hosts have been Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com.
0: And then he texted me from uh, Los Angeles and and continued. He said, and my friend, I don't know how he became friends with Dave Kellett, but it's written right here. And my (laughs) friend Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and drive at drivecomic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton (laughs) at theworldrecord.net. The
1: electrician didn't know this part.
0: (laughs) You're dropping it, aren't you? You got no place to
1: go. He just started fumpering. He didn't know what to do next. (laughs) Anyway, this episode was edited by the wonderful Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love
0: Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured in a future episode, just like our buddy Andy. And the Comic Lab theme
1: song is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab.
0: You take the water and you put it behind the slide and you go down zoom. <laughs> that's my best that's what? my best that's my best Swedish accent. <laughs> your Swedish your Swedish meatball has a lot of Italian sauce on it, is what that
1: <laughs> Brad taking us on a tour across Europe. That was beautiful. I felt like <laughs> you I won't... was there on the fjords It was beautiful, Brad But then suddenly, wha-bang
0: I was down in southern Spain I don't know what happened there with that accent Hold on, let me, let me take another tilt at it Alright If you want to go down the slide You will <laughs> vis- go down your <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: find my Swedish for nothing Apparently, my my lifeguard was Kaiser Wilhelm. I think that's what. That is.
0: <laughs> Listen, get down the water slide, and I will send the water down with you. Honestly, I
1: think our I think our best approach is literally just to go out on the show. Birdy, 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 bird, 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 bird. <laughs>